Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Internet World Order podcast. My name is Austin Cook, and today we're going to talk about a new film that just came out relatively recently. I believe it was 2019, and it's called Yesterday. Yes, and someone like myself that because of my parents being children of the 60s, being big Beatles fan, they couldn't recommend My dad especially could not recommend this movie enough, and now that I finally see it, I understand why there's so much hype around it, and I'm excited to break it down today. I know, and you know, originally when I first saw this movie, I liked the premise a lot, and I was excited to kind of see where it went, Um, but I'm just going to start right off. I am not the biggest fan of the Beatles. That doesn't mean I dislike them, and Caleb's silence is worrying me, but (laughs) I'm just saying... as long as you don't suddenly tell me how you like actively hate them, or, like they don't have to be your favorite. Oh um, no, no, I don't. I don't hate them at all. It's just like I hear them, and I was like, "Oh, cool, the Beatles." Like <laughs> it's it's like such a rabid fandom that it was kind of funny, like seeing this movie and like knowing the songs, and you're like, "Oh, this is cool. Like this is neat." But like also like the idea that they couldn't be like unknown for long. <laughs> and yeah. then eventually, I was like, "It's so weird." Like when people are like, "Oh yeah, the Beatles," and no one knows what it is, which is kind of like it adds to the charm of this movie. And I, I appreciated that, but this was an interesting choice. Cause this is relatively different than a lot of the other movies that we talk about on here. It's very much a Caleb movie. I wanted to let <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Wait, I'm okay. I'm confused by that. Like it's not I, a bad I'm, thing. I'm flattered, but what does that mean? It, it's very like, okay, so here, here's the thing. Your favorite movie is big fish. Yes. And this movie is very much like that in terms of like tone and the upbeat manner in which the story is told. And it's, it's very funny and lighthearted. And like, you know, there's a romantic side to it. it it's very much a you movie. Whereas like some of my recommendations Fair. have been very different for what we've been talking about. No, that's why, that's why I look forward to the more y'all listen to this podcast, you will get a variety. You're not going to get the same type of movie. That's why you should, uh, subscribe and listen to every episode we do because it'll be different yes please please listen to our podcast please Please, i'm begging you (laughs) we're done we're done with the pandering we will now move on to the movie yeah (laughs) okay moving on um i didn't get the chance to see this movie in theaters when it first came out i don't know why i think i was just working a lot or i was busy working on something but this is a this is a lot of fun i mean it's oh yeah it's not earth-shatteringly like inventive but it doesn't need to be and that's you know that's not like a an insult or anything at it because it's a fun movie and i really enjoyed i wish they'd gone a little bit deeper with the premise but the idea of the beatles not existing is so interesting to me because they are probably the most influential music act in all of music in modern music at least let's say modern at least since the 20th century yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, obviously, like, we're going to talk about, like, Mozart, Beethoven, <laughs> Chopin. Yeah, but that's going before then. So, like, yeah, they don't count. from 1900 on. Yeah, those guys don't count. So, we're, <laughs> we're here to talk about the Beatles. And yeah. I really think it's interesting because I was curious to see what they did with it because it's obvious. Like, you can't just remove the Beatles from the face of the earth and then be right. like, okay, that's it. And yeah. I was like, where do the shirts go? Where do all the vinyls go? Where yeah. does all their music go? Well, and as the movie showed, it just disappeared because the guy, uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I just want to quickly case for the people. Quick premise of yesterday is that you have a struggling musician uh, named Jack 
uh, who is basically as he's going home, giving up his music career. Cause he's been trying to pursue it since he was like, maybe like 10 years old when he played Wonderwall, which a part of me just kind of <laughs> cringed a little bit. I was like, of course he did. Everyone but, um, plays Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. I just immediately thought of the meme of anyway, here's Wonderwall. But, uh, <laughs> and I was like, he literally did that. But anyway, he's been pursuing it since he was like, I'm going to assume like maybe like nine or 10. And now he's like, I'm going to assume nearing 30 and it just hasn't happened yet. He still lives in his, you know, childhood room in his parents' house. And right when he gives up music, going, I'm going to try something else, be a teacher. The power in the entire world goes out for like 13 seconds, 12 seconds, 12 seconds. Thank you. Thank you. Cause that is actually, they, they repeated that quite, quite a few times, but, um, in that 12 seconds, he gets hit by a bus because obviously with everything dark, the bus didn't see him. And when he wakes up in the hospital and gets, you know, nursed back to health, he finds out the whole world has no idea who the Beatles are because they never existed. They even like, he even painstakingly tries to Google them and nothing comes up. So just wanted to give that premise. I know because we kind of just jumped immediately into it. Just for those that maybe haven't seen it, they kind of like, so you know where we're coming from. Which a little sidebar on when he's Googling, because when he wakes up, one of my favorite parts of the movie was how much they would just bash him for like his teeth. <laughs> Every, I was laughing so hard for most of that part because I was like, that's how my friends would react to mine but as well. When he is looking up and he looks up Oasis, <laughs> I was laughing you? so hard because that's it's probably the funniest joke in the movie to me. Oh, I was no, just I like, uh-huh. <laughs> it reminds me of like back in the day when they had the Beatles rock band come out. And so I was like, what other rock band they're going to make? We could have the Beatles Oasis have the band that sounds like the Beatles. <laughs> have the Beatles 2.0 because yeah. obviously they're just so good together. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> I love that was probably my favorite joke or how excited he was for Childish Campaign. <laughs> he was like, oh, thank God you're still here. <laughs> it's like, yes, you're awesome. <laughs> oh, that was funny. And you know, it's so funny. I keep forgetting who the director of the movie was, even though I'm familiar with a lot of his work and like some of his trademarks show up throughout, but yeah, Danny I Boyle. Had name pulled, yeah. Danny Boyle. I was going to say for you. Yeah. He's fantastic. And I, I remembered who he was, but it's just so funny because you know, like this is very much like all of his other, uh, very f- family friendly fare, you know, slumdog millionaire and 28 weeks later and you know, all the stuff for the kids. But well, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like how the, Director of Mad Max also did Babe in New York and Happy and, Feet. And yeah, so you can have a range as a director just as you can as an actor. Didn't say he couldn't. It's just funny. <laughs> this oh, is the guy that made Train Spotting also made yesterday. <laughs> so, and if you've never seen Train Spotting, I recommend you get the youngest, most impressionable person in your family and then go watch. No and comment. That's it. No comment. I'm not going to add on it. I'm not going to elaborate for you any further. Anyway, so (laughs) Danny Boyle is so interesting because there's times like where he's walking through like when he's performing at the music festival and dude, this poor guy because the whole whole time like I used to be a lead singer for a band and I'm currently bandless. So if anyone out there is looking for a lead singer, please, I need this. I need to sing (laughs) so badly, even if we're terrible. And (laughs) I am God, we're we're pandering a lot in this episode. Please ignore it. It's just a joke, but and also we're good. We're, we're please, good. please put me in your band. And <laughs> we're, this movie kind of revived my, a lot of the 
love that I have for music and for performing, but it was just right. so, it was such a bummer for him the whole time because like you see him go out there and very clearly he's good. Like he's a great singer. He's got a good stage presence and he's just beautiful voice. Yeah. And his songs are not like, I mean, they're not going to win any Grammys, but they're not, they're good enough to where it's like, you're, it's that frustration of like, if you could just get in front of the right person, mm-hmm. he'd be fine. And, yeah, but- and I, like you're saying, like, Obviously, I didn't with musician, but like when it comes to like stand up and acting, like I understand the whole like him just trying so hard of like I got everything I need. I just got to find the right person to hear me. Yeah, <laughs> I understood that struggle completely. Oh yeah, no, it's brutal, and it's like the same thing with like I guarantee that a lot of struggling artists can really or like relate to this movie, especially. But like, I just felt so bad for the dude because like he was playing to a crowd at a festival that like I've played to crowds at like small little tiny pubs and like garages that have been bigger than the crowd that he got. And I was just like, geez, dude. Like, yeah. How about bigger crowds at a black box theater? And that's sad. <laughs> I've had bigger crowds gather around me after I fell at a movie theater one time. It, <laughs> that's pretty. It's not funny. Don't li- okay. It's funny, but <laughs> we have like, you know, he's, he has all the talent, but he's just like, I'm just going to give up. I don't believe it anymore, which is probably something that's wrong through every single person's mind, even people who've already made it or who people are like on the verge of making it. And they're like, why, why bother? You know, why keep doing this? But the world goes dark, like Caleb had mentioned earlier. And all of a sudden he's about to become the most famous person in the world. Cause he's the only person. Well, initially we'll get to that, that, even knows the Beatles even existed. Mm-hmm. And as we were alluding to, uh, I think it might've been before we started recording of like, when he was like, wait, no one knows who the Beatles are. After he Googles, he starts to search. Cause he had, he had their vinyls. His vinyls are gone. Like everything's gone. And so he realizes, well, if no one's ever heard it. And before that happens, like his friends, after they, rib him mercilessly as good friends should for him getting his teeth knocked out. They gift him with a guitar and he plays yesterday. Uh, and of course they're staring. I'm like, where has that song been? When did you come up with something that good? And of course, after realizing the Beatles don't exist, he's like, wait, I still know all the songs. I could pass them off as mine. Cause no one can say I'm, they're not mine. Which is a one hundred percent, very much, grade A weasel move. <laughs> I mean, I, it's the movie really presents you with a situation of like, it's so, like you, and they do acknowledge it at the end of like, that's really bad on like a global scale. It's like, but at the same time, you're like, do you blame him? Especially with where he was with his career and how frustrated he was. I mean, I don't blame him, but I'm also like. You know, what would you do in that situation? I don't, I don't think I would do it because, well, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, well, <laughs> that's not well, the point. Yeah. When we break down more of the movie, I kind of have a better answer, but that would kind of, we, we had to jump way ahead in the plot. So when we get there, I'll kind of mention and come back to that. So yeah, uh, right now we're just going to give like a mild spoiler alert. Like, I mean, this movie is very like, it's not like there's any big twists or anything like that, but it's, 
you know, if you haven't seen it, obviously you may not want it entirely spoiled for you. But if you do want to watch it, it's on HBO Max. Just a heads up. You can get it on Prime and Amazon and all that. But we are about to start some spoiler talk. Are you ready for that, Caleb? Let's do it. And you have been warned. You have been warned. So if you're not listening right now, three, two, one spoilers. So <laughs> he decides to go through with it. And he initially doesn't really see any kind of fame. Like he's literally doing the exact same thing that he was doing before. And he's like, it's me. I'm terrible. I'm so awful. <laughs> and yeah, you know what? I'm not really kind of sure what he expected. <laughs> because Well, yeah, that's true. It's like, I guess, I don't know. I guess he thought initially people would just sweep him off his feet from playing Beatles songs. It's like, yeah, they're going to admit they're good songs. But unless the right person hears it, that's about as far as it goes. And he, as you mentioned earlier, he does play for the right person. Exactly. So I kept, yeah. In a little coffee shop. And that person records, uh, I want to say a demo for him or like a mixtape for him. More, yeah, some singles, whatever. Yeah, because they do quite a few songs. Yeah, I think it was like a demo or like an EP for him so that people could like listen to his music. And Mm -hmm. he, um, we see little elements of it. Oh, by the way, there's a major character in this movie, Ellie, who is amazing, Lily James. And she is his childhood best friend and manager. And she's been trying to help him and can, you know, push him for his dream. And another part of this movie that's really important is her continuously pushing him to do that, especially with like the new music he has. And like, she's very consistent in her support of his dream. Yes. While also, you know, she's a character with her own desires and what she wants to do, but she's very much like, I believe in you and I know that you can do this. She's yeah, ex- it's very incredibly supportive. Yeah. It, and it's honestly very refreshing because it was a movie movies like this, even whether they're lighthearted or not, typically the main person that Jack, like a, like a Jack, they, uh, they kind of just surrounded by a bunch of people just telling them they can't do it. And so it was kind of refreshing to see you had that one, like major, like basically his number one fan from the get go. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because it wasn't a fan that became after he got famous or after like to someone who, saw the talent in him from day one because especially because as we learned because one of the funny it's funny because uh you kind of remind me a lot of uh the way i like to describe this is like adult swim humor like space goes coast to coast or something like awkward silence humor mm-hmm. where he's trying to play let it be for his parents and keeps getting interrupted <laughs> which that was a cute scene too and i really liked his parents because like they weren't in the movie a whole lot but whenever they were there, they were always supportive of him. And it, it was really nice. Like, as you mentioned, it was refreshing to see parents who were like, we love you and we want to see you do what makes you happy. Yeah. And they had, I really a, they had a little. Exactly. And they had a little bit of reluctance of him continuing music because when you say he's going to do it again, they're like, oh, he's back on it. And he's like, so you can say like they supported him. But you could tell they're like, don't you think that this has ran its course? Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. I know I I can understand that frustration when you've been going up because I think they said like he's been trying it for fourteen years or whatever it was. So, but yeah, his parents they weren't in a ton, but they nearly stole every scene they were in. Especially the dad, he cracked me up. <laughs> they were so cute together. I I loved that. But seeing him like obviously like again spoiler warning, but Ellie's been in love with 
with Jack since they were since they were kids and like they've always been best friends and she's been trying so hard like it's like dude this is your chance and he is very very oblivious to the point where I'm like really like <laughs> are you sure well, you're not paying attention <laughs> I would love cause it was funny because my dad was strongly encouraging me to watch this and then we were talking about it after I after I did uh, see it he was just like yeah how are he's like dude how are you that asleep at the wheel I kind of like raised up my hands like I've been that asleep at the wheel before I have been in that scenario it happens to some of us but it it was just at a certain point I was like bro what are you doing yeah (laughs) Yeah. the one thing I do want to add on top of that though is that I'm really glad they didn't have like another like romantic partner come in and like try to steal his attention or like you know like that stereotypical scene where it's like she comes to his hotel room and he's just like no I've got to go and she like tries like making out with him and then the girl walks in right at that moment yeah they didn't fall into any of the tropes like the decisions the characters made it felt I mean it felt real like this is how people like flawed humans would try to navigate something as messy as this Mm -hmm. and it was really good Um, and it kept the focus on their relationship rather than like it felt more emotionally complex and deep because you were like, oh, we're focusing on them, them, and not someone else trying to ruin it. Because their relationship already has enough conflict and enough of a jumping ground for it to be like, look, like this is what they're going through and this is what they're trying to do. And I liked that. Yeah. It, was, it was really sweet and it made the movie a little bit more innocent without it being like, you know, like, will they, won't they? We know they're going exactly. to. But <laughs> yeah. I have seen a movie before. I know that they're going to. <laughs> But, yeah, it's like a it's like you know the superheroes win. You know the the good guy always catches the bad guy, and the and the lovers who don't seem to connect will connect by the end. It's gonna happen. But I like that they. It just felt like a different approach. Like this movie obviously isn't like the most original piece of work, but I don't care because I enjoyed it. And, exactly, and <laughs> that's what we were saying before we recorded. I was like, not every movie that comes out has to immediately crack your top ten. Or if you're like this is a top three movie. And if it's not, then it's crap. And it's like, no, a movie can just be good on its own. And that's as far as it goes. A movie can be innocent and fun without having to be over the top cinema, you know? (laughs) Exactly. It doesn't have to like put you into an existential crisis as you're like, who am I? Who am I? What am I? But (laughs) my real, this is a simulation. Uh, it feels like a simulation. <laughs> this entire 2020 be- feels like a simulation. Am I being detained? No, no. Uh, but uh, I was going to say, since you mentioned the refreshingness of like how they handled the couple of the movie that instead of doing will they, won't they, they found a refreshing way to go about that. The guy that plays Rocky, who <laughs> when they introduced, yeah, oh, he's great. Uh, so, when they introduce all of uh, Jack's friends, there's the initial four, including Lily, or Ellie, sorry. Lily's an actress. Including Ellie, there's four of them. And then the fifth guy shows up, Rocky. And he's kind of the, uh, his way to put it, he's the problem child. And I was a little worried that he was going to kind of be that obnoxious character that just ruins everything. That the moment Jack gets any sort of momentum, or like he was just there to make things worse. Mm-hmm. And initially they played it up like that. He was ruining conversations, <laughs> <laughs> but 
it quickly shifted and he actually became a really, really great character. It was a comedic relief the whole time. But the way he kept that role while still being kind of like a guy where you're like, you know what? I didn't like you at first, but you're cool now. It was yeah. really interesting to watch that transformation. Yeah, he's very he's sweethearted. He has a good heart. And like you can tell that he's like a little like, you know, all over the place. Like he's trying really hard to do something or anything. And he gets fired at the beginning <laughs> for like just forgetting oh, yeah. to go on stage and change guitars. And I was like, oh, man. And the guy fired him on stage. And he's like, oh, fair dues. <laughs> he, just goes and he just took it in stride You're like, what? he's like all right fair enough <laughs> and then he just leaves and oh, i man. i loved that that was funny but he i was a little concerned about him at first too because i was like oh my gosh like please don't make him obnoxious like please please let's just let him be a character and they totally did because he added you know another layer of that friendship and at the at the very end there's some funny parts with him too where i was laughing really hard and we'll get to that but yeah I liked Ed Sheeran in this movie too. He was another character right? that I was like, I thought he was just going to like pop up and then just be gone. Like I am Ed Sheeran. I initially didn't, I didn't think it was even going to be him at first because, okay. Uh, Ed Sheeran shows up because he, even though him being a big rock star, he lives locally in the town that Jack is performing in. So when he hears one of Jack's performances on local television, he's like, hold on. I think I found me an opening act. And, uh, when he first goes to the house, the way they framed it where his face is completely like not hidden, but like the mirror like distorts it. I was like, that's not Ed Sheeran. They got to stand in. And then it like, it goes to the, it like shifts over to the door and I'm like, Oh crap. That's actually Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> I was excited to see him. And I like, you know, like throughout it's he's just very mellow. Like I apparently from what I've heard, like, it seems like he was very much just playing himself in this movie. And that's fun. Which is perfect. I mean, especially, yeah, he, he like I said, he was touring as himself. He wasn't, he was playing as himself. He didn't, he wasn't a uh, fictionalized character. So it was perfect. It's one of those things of, uh, he's not known for his acting chops. So don't give him something difficult. And right. he didn't. Yeah. They're like literally show up and just, just, read this yeah just know your line it's all you it's like it's like a think of it like a set for a tour just know your lines right and he and he did a good job too like it he came across as genuine and not like you know like when it's very clear in a movie where there's like a celebrity cameo and they're like super uncomfortable oh yeah they're like hello i am so and so (laughs) or or like when they get a or like when they get an athlete yeah oh my gosh and you're yeah uh, it reminds me, one of my favorite commercials was like when Victor Cruz, he was like, hi, I'm Victor Cruz. I'm a professional sports player. So I know a thing or two about bad acting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fun. I, another example of that would be uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in Airplane. <laughs> Where he's like, I'm not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he's like, yeah, you are. And he's like, shut up. Like, <laughs> like don't say anything, kid. <laughs> and that's the thing. And that is what good. That's what I liked about this movie. Like we talk about it being lighthearted and it's simplistic, but still honestly has a really good moral mm-hmm. uh, at the end. But good writing is like you, you play to the character's strengths, which with the examples we just gave, plus it's exactly what they did with Ed. They just play to his strengths. And they're like, we're not going to ask you to go do some Daniel day Lewis 
level acting. Just be you. Yeah, just just be yourself. You know, another character in this movie that I really enjoyed is Kate McKinnon's character, Deborah, because she was mustache twirling levels of evil. And I was there for it because I wanted her to I just wanted to see her get shut down. And I usually love Kate McKinnon and I still loved her here. But it was just I, so funny. <laughs> I oh Kate, oh, because she she plays the manager for Ed Sheeran. And of course, after hearing Jack uh, play, she immediately wants to represent him and turn him into into like the biggest thing ever. And it's just it's one of those things where they they were so blunt and made her so slimy. I was like, either agents in Hollywood have a far better sense of humor than I thought in my experience I had with them. They usually don't like being made fun of, or they had to sneak that. And just not tell anybody that's how she was acting. They filmed it all in private. (laughs) (laughs) Or like they just kept the agents in the dark. Everyone else knew. But um, (sighs) because I have met agents like her. Mm -hmm. And so just I was laughing. But also there's that part of me just kind of twisting going. I know people like this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, there's a lot of people in this (laughs) in this movie where I was like, because I was a stagehand before I was. Um, whatever I am now, but <laughs> there was a lot of people, especially like roadies and people who I would work with, like on shows who are a lot like Rocky. And yeah. it was, <laughs> it just made me laugh. Cause the whole time I was like, Oh my gosh, this is accurate. And <laughs> oh, they, they helped with the charm it. a lot. Yeah. It, it was very charming. And like, she was very much like the clear antagonist. Oh yeah, there's there's no there's no gray. It's very clear who right. is not, making life worse for everyone. Yeah, and it was it was almost a little over the top. Too well, not okay. Well, it was over the top, but it was almost so much so that it kind of like I was like, this is aggressively villainous at times. Yeah, but it kind of reminded me. And a little sidebar, but if you remember Tom Cruise's character in Tropic Thunder. Uh, when he plays the manager that's like <laughs> screaming at the guy, he said in an interview, he based that character off Harvey Weinstein, which I know that hasn't aged well, but just saying like, so when people are like, oh, he went over the top, he goes, no, that's how he was in meetings. Yeah. So, I think it was just because his, her character was so different than a lot of the other characters that I was like, whoa, true. But, everyone else was like playing an actual person where she's just like, literally she is female dick dastardly. Yeah. I kept waiting for like the, like laughing dog. Right. It was, I mean, I still found it funny, but oh yeah, yeah. Th- there's nothing wrong with it. I just thought that that was like a noticeable thing for me where I was like, wow, like she very much stands up against the rest of the cast, but we haven't even talked about the main actor yet. And no, well, yeah. that, I think that works because it shows you all the one, cause it shows the supporting cast is that good. And two, mm-hmm. I'm glad we saved him for last. Yes. His name is, I'm very sorry if I pronounce this wrong, but Himesh Patel believe that would be my guess that, that was my guess but he was in 566 episodes of eastenders wow. which is i i've never seen an episode of eastenders because i am american <laughs> i don't i hardly know what that show is but i know that there's six thousand episodes of it that they've been playing since i'm gonna assume that goes back to at least the 70s 1985 
not close as in not close at all. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it has that many episodes, clearly people like it. And if he was on for that long, that means they liked his character. So yeah, which him. is great. But I, I believe this was his first feature film because he'd been in some short films. He'd been in some TV and he was great. Oh yeah. I mean, we alluded to it a little bit earlier of like, now when it comes to movies like this, I don't know. And maybe, maybe you do, but when you see movies where characters are playing instruments and singing, Sometimes I don't know what's them and what isn't. Like, are they actually playing? Is that their actual singing voice? Do you know by chance? I believe this was him. Then he's a very talented musician, and I hope he can have at least a side hustle as a musician, because he's fantastic. I hope so, too. I think, well, I mean, there were a couple times, though, where I was like, when he was singing and he was still missing his teeth, and I was like, I feel like there would be like a noticeable difference because like you're yeah. like you, just your your tongue hitting your teeth. It, it's very it would change the way that you sing. It's not going to ruin your voice, but I just yeah, I don't care. Account for it. <laughs> I, I don't like, really care. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't keep his teeth mi- missing that long. So I mean, it, you can forgive it if his teeth were missing the entire movie. Then you'd be like, well. <laughs> Yeah, he wouldn't. <laughs> I don't think they would have taken him <laughs> through like oh, the, the manager whole record deal. Deborah would have been like, "Who are you, Gremlin?" <laughs> she would have said something so horrible. And yeah. I'm I'm glad that they <laughs> I'm glad that they just gave him his teeth back and didn't play off of that too much. Um, Agreed. It like it's like they knew when the joke had ran its course, and I appreciate that. Yeah. So he actually does do all of his own singing in the movie. I, I looked it up, and. First of all, wow, he's really good. <laughs> and I want a whole album yeah. of him just singing. So I'm wondering I, yeah, why uh, we don't have that yet. Yeah, Spotify, get on that. Do like y'all did for Walk the Line. Yeah. Give me, <laughs> please, please give it to me now. I want it now. I don't want to wait. But he <laughs> and he sung and played guitar. He was really, really quite good. And he plays the main character well to the point where it's like, because it's not like, his character is like evil or like super like opportunistic. Like he wasn't actively seeking this out. He was like, I need somebody to plagiarize. It came upon him and he struggled with it. He's like, I don't think I should do this. (laughs) Yeah. This is a a bad idea. Yeah. And that's what one thing I loved about um, the movie itself is Ellie, since she doesn't know that he's plagiarizing, she's still pushing him like, no, no, you should do these. These songs are beautiful. Like the world needs to hear these. And that's how he's like for a while, at least that's how he keeps motivating himself to keep, um, keep doing it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he struggles with that the whole time. And like later on after he gets real famous, he has this nightmare where he's on a talk show and cause he starts getting afraid. He's like, well, the Beatles don't exist as a group. But perhaps the four members still exist as people. So he has this nightmare where Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr bust <laughs> in while he's like at the late night show with James Corden and go, Hey man, you stole our songs. What's up with that? And he just keeps struggling with it. He's like, because he gets scared. As he gets more famous, he gets scared of someone's going to figure me out and they're going to know I'm a fraud. But I guess one of the things I was like maybe struggling with, not struggling is the right word, but just contemplating. I was like, it's not like he had the sheet music. He had to figure out all these songs from memory. Yeah. And that's, 
I mean, that's hard. <laughs> I can barely yeah. remember what I ate like for dinner last night. So <laughs> the fact that he was now, able know, to memorize the Beatles songs. Yeah. And I know like, obviously music, as we all know, music has a way of sticking in your head. That's why even with kids, like if you want them to remember something, you put in a, even if it's super cheesy, you put in a song and they'll remember it. So, but even then it's like, and you do see him struggling. Like when he's trying to remember like Eleanor Rigby, he can't remember the words or he can't remember like the order the verses go in and he's screwing up. He can't, there's some songs that he completely forgets until like when he goes to the dentist and the dentist goes, well, I do get by with a little help from my friends. And he's like, Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a song too. He's like, Oh, he, he was like kicking his legs up and getting all <laughs> excited. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Um, another thing that was interesting about like, well, I kind of want to talk about like what, you know, the whole like time, you know, the whole, parallel universe thing was where he there's a couple interesting things that happen there's only three people who know his music who or mm-hmm. who know that it was the beatles music and one of them was a guy in russia and the other was a woman from liverpool and they build it up as like he's panicking because he's like they're gonna oust me as a fraud and like you know my whole career is gonna be over they're gonna ruin me and like they're waving the yellow submarine at him at the show and which the was brilliant so so good i was like oh my gosh i'm kind of stressed <laughs> like, <laughs> i'm curious as to what's going to happen and they end up thanking him for it which kind of surprised me a little bit same honestly i thought they were going to berate him and be like you silly sword and <laughs> like, yeah or yeah or whatever the russian version of that is yeah some i, I don't even I don't know what Russian insults there are, but <laughs> when they walk in and then they thank him for it. Cause they're like, we're so glad that other people get to hear the Beatles music. And he was like, he was like, Oh my gosh, thank you. Like, freaking out. Yeah. And like, so like excited and like thankful. And he's like, I feel like I'm a, in a foreign country and I'm the only one who speaks English, which is yeah. a great line. But <laughs> he like doing that and like them having that little moment, it was kind of sweet. Because they they yeah. pop back up at the end where you know they're listening to the Beatles songs and he's you know they're dancing to it and they're having the time of their life like that was really 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 sweet yeah it was and, a cute cute scene yeah now that we're on that I want to circle back when you're asked like if I would if I was in his situation would I do it and it's just the thing that the lady from Liverpool brings up it's kind of what for me it puts you in that conundrum of I don't know if I would or would not because. Uh, she tells him, she's like, well, we're just glad that someone that can actually sing remembers the songs because neither one of us can sing at all. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's like, we thought the songs would be lost forever. And thanks to you, the world gets to fall in love with these songs all over again. And from that perspective, it's almost like he has a duty to sing the songs. Yeah, it's you don't really have much of a choice now, my guy. And, yeah, <laughs> but, I didn't really uh, give him an option. Yeah, I just thought that was a really because, like you said, this is a movie that almost like it purposely takes a moment that you think is going to happen because you're like, oh, this is just going to follow the path of you know ninety percent of the movies you see, and then it goes, nope. Like we were mentioning with the love and like between uh, Jack and Ellie, but then you see it again with those two people confronting him and you think, Oh, gigs up. And they're like really happy for him. And they're just happy that he's doing it. Of course they do give him a little bit of crap. Cause they're like, well, they mentioned a couple of songs. You got the verses out of order. He goes, 
yeah, I know. I couldn't quite remember. And they're like, really? Why do you call it Hey Dude? It's like, <laughs> blame Ed Sheeran for that one. <laughs> That's his fault, not mine. <laughs> that was funny. That was uh, another thing about like the whole parallel universe thing was the fact that Coca-Cola doesn't exist and it's only yeah. Pepsi. Which, which I was like, I don't want to live in this world anymore. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. How, I, I'm a Pepsi guy, but I still love Coca-Cola. And I was like, uh, that's interesting. And then the whole yeah. like thing with like the word cigarette not being around and like <laughs> no no cigarettes at all, I think, right? Yeah, like because he, he was commenting of like, he's so nervous, but he had given up smoking. He's like, I could murder a cigarette right now. And Rocky just looks at him and goes, what are those? That was so and funny. he's he likes looks it up. He's like, "What is going on in this world?" And now, granted, these are Englishmen, so I don't know how big Dr Pepper is over there. But when they said no Coke, I, as a Texan, almost had a mini heart attack. Going, if Dr Pepper doesn't exist in this world, I don't think I could do it. I don't think it does. But it's it's like the trade off. It's like yeah, there's no Coca Cola, but there's also no cigarettes. So, right. you know, you, I think you take what you it's get. Almost, it's almost a funny moment where you're just like, oh, that's wait, that's good. Uh, <laughs> when he was on the plane with Ed Sheeran and she was like, can I get you anything to drink? And he was like, yeah, can you get me a Coke? And she just looks at him and he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh uh, just, just a Pepsi then, please. And <laughs> that I did was not funny. mean the drug. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it, you know, this movie isn't like super adult or like. You could probably watch this movie with your kids. I, I think that this is a relatively family-friendly movie for the most part. But yeah, There's only one scene that gets maybe a little close, but then it gets away from it. And they talk about it in a very mature way that, honestly, I think kids would get, or the parts they don't get would fly over their head, so you'd be safe either way. Yeah, like, I don't, you know, if you're in, like, your early teens, you can watch this movie easy. Like, it, yeah. it's a relatively, like, family movie without being, like, you know, PG. It's not Disney. Right. Uh, but I, I want to say, though, one of the things that I almost found it hilarious of, because I understand uh, when he was having his nightmare, one of the things that, because when he starts talking about the Beatles and starts doing all these songs, people are just shocked that, like, a single guy can come up with such good songs. Which, of yeah. course, is funny because you're like, well, in real life, it was anywhere from, you know, two to three guys because, you know, Ringo was just there. But um, hey, put, <laughs> put some respect on Ringo Starr. He was a great drummer. I'm he was. That. And you know what? Be nice to him. Oh, I know. He's still a Beatle, okay? still a The joke I always use with him is like, he's the equivalent of being like the worst player on the 92 All-Stars team. You're still really good. You're just not Michael Jordan. Yeah, you're still you're still on the All Star team. <laughs> yeah, you're just not on the starting squad, or you know, you know what I mean. But uh, um, if he ever hears this and he's just like those absolute knobs <laughs> <laughs> are making fun of us, I have to think by now he's heard every possible joke. He's probably a really good sport about it, but we're not even making fun of him. So <laughs> exactly, but what I'm saying is that um. They were shocked because, like, you know, one guy comes up with these songs. Of course, you know, in the Nightmare, James Corden, like a really, not a jab at the music industry, but, like, really showing you how different it is now compared to the 60s. Because, you know, he looks at him and goes, well, you know, nowadays, sometimes there's, like, anywhere from 10 to 15 writers for a single song. Yet here's a single guy pumping out hit after hit. 
And Jack just looks at him and goes, that's kind of how it used to be. Which is not entirely wrong, but it's also wrong that he's trying to take credit. I know. That's what makes it such a weird conundrum because you're like, he has a point, but at the same time, dude, you're a fraud. It's like, yeah, you're a total, you know, like you're not real. You're not real. But (laughs) I loved that part of the movie because the whole time I was curious to show or I'm not curious to show curious to see how they were going to explore his like frustration and panic with it. Cause the whole time it's like very slowly setting in. Yeah. You can even see in his eyes. A, yeah. Even though this is not a long movie, they managed to still pull off a, uh, a really good slow burn. Yeah. With the panic with the love interest and which is impressive when you have a movie that's not that long, but you still manage to slow burn something. But the other thing I like is talking about the difference when it comes to the, uh, commercialization of music back mm-hmm. then versus now because when he gets in that boardroom with all those execs that clap <sighs> for like every other sentence yeah and he's like you guys don't have to clap and then they're like oh he's so modest and they start clapping that was funny <laughs> I, <laughs> I was they kept doing that i was like this is like some Shaun of the dead like i keep waiting for someone to go the greater good the greater good or like Why don't you stop <laughs> blazing saddles where they're like hurrumph 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 why is that man not hurrumphing <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked that scene too because like obviously he especially after he meets with those two people he takes on this uh, attitude of he wants to preserve the legacy of the Beatles so when they're trying to release his first album he basically pitches to them every album well not everyone but a lot of album names that the Beatles did use and mm-hmm. they're like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band that's a long title mate and my the one that cracked me up because they're like Abbey Road. It's just a, but who cares? And then he gets to the White Album. He goes, diversity issue, and which is hilarious because you know Jack is not white, and he's like, what are you talking about? It's a lot of white there. You can't have that. The look on like, his face. <laughs> he's so confused. He's like, but I'm not. But what diversity issue is there right now? He's like, what do you what? He, dude, I was laughing be, like so hard at that because you could just see the look on his face, and he's like, "Come on, you guys!" Like it's so it's like that. That's what you're getting me on. Yeah, he. Did you know that he's only 29? Quick fun fact. Good for him. Yeah, he. Um. So he's Indian, and well, he he's British, but his like his family, he's he's Indian, and honestly, mm-hmm. for me, it was kind of refreshing seeing like person of color like this you know person of color who's in a lead role and you know they're handsome and they're charming and it was a lot of fun like seeing him portray just like a normal person and portray like I felt very connected to him and I could understand him easily and I'm glad that like you know they added that level of representation because like we've seen all kinds of movies where it's just like you know white dudes in this role and you know there's nothing wrong with that but like it's nice to see like different people in these roles. And I I think that he did a really excellent job just bringing this character to life. And I'm hoping to see more of him because he's only 29. He's got a career ahead of him. (laughs) Of course, especially like I said, especially like since you said that he did all the singing and playing of the instruments, it's like, yeah, this guy is literally the, if, if the, if he can dance, he is quite literally the triple threat. He's way more talented than I am. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I but, um, go ahead. 
Okay, I was gonna say like one of the other things too that's interesting is because he's essentially taking the credit of work for four people. Because it's like, of course, the songs are going to be a lot better when you have four people working on it. Uh, there's a really interesting moment with Ed Sheeran. Because one, like he, people are shocked because I thought it was really funny that when they were in Russia, he plays back in the USSR. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, Ed's like, well, weren't that's before both of us were like born. So how did you even know to make a song like that? <laughs> and uh, they had this contest where it was like, you got 10 minutes original song go and of course ed comes up with a song jack plays the longer winding road which is a beautiful song and i don't know there's just something about that moment they're about to have the vote and ed goes nope i lost yeah (laughs) i he is mozart and i am salieri and i was like "Ooh, that ed you, you made me hurt for you. Ed, stop. <laughs> like, that's a, ooh. I like, self-deprecation is one thing, but good Lord, man. Yeah, I mean, I liked having him portray, like, because he wasn't villainous. It's not like he was an antagonistic character to him, but he definitely brought a layer of, like, you know, some of the good side of the music industry into that, like, particularly, because you're seeing Jack just struggle with it. He's like, what is going on? <laughs> like Ed yeah. was kind of like the nice counterbalance to Deborah's like complete awfulness. Yeah. And which is hilarious that he, him, Ed being such a nice, charming guy himself. And he's represented by such a monster. Right. <laughs> it's so funny. He's <laughs> like, Hey, I'm Ed Sheeran. She shows up and she's like, I've never heard anything, anything interesting come out of your mouth. So keep your speech brief. I was like, wow. Like, yeah. Oh my the, gosh. <laughs> the worst one was before he did the rooftop. Uh, concert which i thought was a nice beatles reference that he mm-hmm. did a rooftop concert but um because like it makes sense make a beatles reference of a concert in a movie about their songs but there's a moment where the manager like gives a kiss on the head to jack and ellie walks in she's like oh and you thought you're about to have that awkward moment of oh well i guess you're with her now and deborah literally goes oh no i have no romantic interest in him he's just a product to me yeah, I was like, "Ow!" <laughs> but also I like, cool. <laughs> like, I was like, "I mean, strange." It, you found the worst way to establish boundaries. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was. <sighs> yeah, I I enjoyed this movie. I you know another character that I think we should talk about. I think this is important. Mm-hmm. Is Robert Carlyle as John Lennon? Because John Lennon's in this movie. Yes. Which uh, is confusing to me because they didn't really explain how that works. They're like John Lennon. Well, the reason why is because no Beatles, John doesn't become a megastar. So you don't have a guy that just decides to kill him one day. Yeah. I mean, okay. So we've talked about this before. I tend to struggle with movies that focus on time travel. I'm generally, I'm generally like, if the story's good, which it is in this, I'll be like, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to look on like let I go. But there's times where I was like, wait, like, <laughs> I, I do, I, I do know John. What I do know about John Lennon was he was not originally going to be a musician at all. Hmm. Um, it was because of Buddy Holly and Elvis that he was like, hey, I want to give this music thing a chance. So. And regardless of your opinion of the man, he was quite a good musician and he's yeah. 
quite iconic, which, you know, it's, it was interesting to see. I wish they'd kind of like, if there's any small little like nitpicks I have about wh- where I wish the story had gone, I just wish that there had been more of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like they introduced this really interesting world, especially as like, right when you think, okay, there's no more weirdness they can throw at you. And like, oh, by the way, Coca-Cola doesn't exist. I'm like, okay. And yeah. Right when you get used to that, by the way, cigarettes don't exist. And you're like, you, you quickly figure out this, this is a movie that's going to constantly throw a curveball at you. And then when you get used to cigarette things, like, oh, by the way, since the Beatles were never a thing, John never became a musician, so he never died. Or at least he didn't get shot and killed. Yeah, and they didn't even mention Yoko in the movie, which was... Well, because he never would have met yeah. her. He didn't become <laughs> well, a yeah. star. But they, they alluded to something like that, too, of him having, like, a loving relationship with a, with a woman. And, like, even though it was complicated for him, like, he fought for her and, like, I thought that was a nice little element of the story and yeah. having John Lennon show up in the movie was an interesting choice. Cause I was like, I don't think they're going to do it. Cause they showed, you know, Ringo and Paul. Well, that they was showed their feet. <laughs> yeah. But I'm genuinely surprised that nothing happened with them. Like again, it, I think it's just more of like, I wanted a little bit more. I'm happy with yeah. what I got, but I, you know, there, there's so much that you can do and play around with this premise. And you know it, it is what it is. And, and go ahead. I was gonna say I, I did enjoy that they sometimes a movie will overstay its welcome, over explaining its premise or over explaining its whatever its gimmick may be. So while I do agree with you, I was kind of like, well, if they don't become mega stars and they're not doing a ton of drugs and stuff, is George Harrison still alive? Like I was like genuinely curious. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, I mean, once again, they also have so much time. You, if you made it a four hour movie explaining every single detail, we, we probably wouldn't be doing a podcast episode about it right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I think like sprinkled throughout would have been good, but what we got was cool too. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not upset. I just wish that there had been a little bit more. It's, you know, at its core, it's a movie that's about, you know, the life of a struggling artist but also being yourself and never giving up on what you want, which is cliche. It sounds kind of cheesy, but you know, just be who you are and be your truth. I think yeah. that's the most important takeaway from this movie. And I love that about it. Cause you can wear your influences, but if you're not true to who you are, then what's the point? And right. He realizes that at the end where spoiler alert, spoiler alert, he admits to, a very, very sold out Wembley stadium (laughs) that he is in fact a fraud and he declares his love for Ellie, which is super cute and sweet. And she's just standing there and she's like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) this is, this is a lot to take in. And then he uploads all of the music for free online and sends Deborah into (laughs) a hilarious frenzy. (laughs) I was like, dude, it's like, and, and Rocky has to take the one for the team to get her from like, killing him yeah he's like no one's gonna hire me i'm so bad at my job and then it's like block the entrance (laughs) but uh i will to what you're alluding to the thing i really liked about this movie is because i know we talked about the love interest ellie starts off as like jack's her first like his first fan biggest fan and first manager because she's a school teacher when he starts becoming big she can't follow him Mm -hmm. and then they have the confrontations where she's like I love you. I always have. And literally, and even Rocky was like, you couldn't see that. And the bigger he got, 
as a musician, the more he pushed her away. And he was having this struggle of like, how do I hang on to her, but keep becoming a bigger deal? And he was discovering you can't do both. And the thing I loved about this is there's a, there's a saying where it talks about you gain the world, but lose your soul. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Jack was dealing with, that he got all the fame and riches. He became a world. I mean, Deborah literally says, well, Ed Sheeran was John the Baptist. You are the Messiah. And straight up was calling him the Jesus of music. And, um, which is excessive, but I'll well, I mean, it. it's a, it's a manager. <laughs> she's going to say what she can yeah. to make sure his ego stays at like a thousand. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, he gains everything he thought he wanted. And it turns out that's not what he wanted at all. Yeah. Or at least not like this. Yeah. And I and, think that like, what, Oh, sorry. Continue what you're saying. Okay. And I was going to say that when he realized what he really wanted was just, he just wanted to make music and then he finally gets with Ellie, which of course, like you mentioned earlier, we all knew it was going to happen, but it was, they still did a good job where you're just like super excited when it finally does happen. Uh, which is to me, like that's always a good mark of a movie when you know, when you can predict something's going to happen, but you're still happy when it does. Right. And I did like, cause Ellie for a moment, does get a new boyfriend because she tells him like I can't keep waiting for you. I've already been waiting for 14 years. Mm-hmm. So she gets a new boyfriend, which is the uh, guy he records the demo with. Mm-hmm. And then when they get together, I was like, oh, once again, I was kind of with you, like what you're thinking of. They're about to go that route of, they're about to like just do that guy dirty, and uh, they didn't. What they did was. He flat out looked and goes, I knew you two were going to get together. I knew I was the number two guy. But hey, some of the best songs ever were number two. And he just takes it in stride. And I was like, you know what, dude? Good for you. Yeah, they they made him a character that was very... I was concerned that they were going to make him like some snide jerk who became like another kind of like villain throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. But he was just a cool dude. And like you could see little like instances of him like kind of like flirting them being flirty with each other, like throughout like little bits and pieces. And he was really like incredibly kind. And then at the end, he was like, I just want to see you're happy. That's all I care about. And he ended up finding happiness as well, too. And I don't know. It it was a nice change of pace instead of like the, you know, one guy is very clearly, obviously the villain. But instead, it's like sometimes people are good. You know what? I'm tired of everyone being bad. There always has to be a bad guy. (laughs) Or not even just that. It's like not everything has to be like, once again, super like dark and depressing and existential. It's like sometimes things can resolve themselves like this where, I mean, and I was just happy because one of my biggest gripes is the trope of you take a guy, I think his name was, his character was Nick and either Nick or Gavin. It's one or the other. Gavin um, was the recording guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Gavin. So my, one, of, one of my biggest things I hate in movies is when they take a guy who is a genuinely good person until they start dating the love interest of the main character, then they immediately start writing them as a bad person. And I was so happy they didn't do that this time. They dodged it. They broke the ankles of the oncoming cliche. Exactly. <laughs> they were like, oh, watch this. Oh. And just, it was great. I was very 
pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things I wanted to add on to this movie was the idea of like, you know, in the end he chose, you know, to be a music teacher, but he also was very clearly much happier with what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And it didn't like, well, number one, coming from someone whose family is teachers and, you know, my mom was a teacher, my dad's a teacher and they, you know, teachers are often underappreciated. And I'm really glad in this movie that they didn't, you know, downplay the role of a teacher or make it seem like something that was undesirable. They, you know, he was able to find happiness in that. And it wasn't just, you know, this movie is not necessarily anti-fame or anti-celebrity, but very much about just being happy. And John Lennon talked about that extensively, you know, when he goes and visits him in his little cottage. And it was, <laughs> yeah, as was confused cute. as he is, of like, who is this stranger that's so obsessed with me? <laughs> and he's like, you need psychiatric help. And he's like, not anymore. <laughs> he, um, I, I just really enjoyed that because it was very, the idea of like, you know, you don't have to portray fame as evil. You don't have to yeah. portray something as beneath another. It's all about doing what makes you happy and finding that happiness. And he ended up finding it, although it took a literal parallel universe yeah. <laughs> in order for so that to, to finally happen. get him to wake up at the wheel and realize this girl is obsessed with you. Yeah. At least give it a shot. She loves you <laughs> and she's been supporting you for like 14 years. Like, yeah, that's, come on. They even, even had a funny joke about that. I mean, like I said, obviously this is a, we're family friendly, but like Rocky makes a joke. Like you've never made it like a pass at her. And she goes, Nope, never. Not even once. Yeah. You've never tried. Not they'll deny it. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> is that your girlfriend? Miss Ellie. And she's yeah. like, no, no. Or is that your boyfriend? Miss Ellie. And she's like, no, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it was cute. And I just thought it was interesting. Cause especially since you talk about the John Lennon part, there's a big reason he went. Cause we don't really know like what John maybe did for like a career in this parallel universe, but mm -hmm. when he finds them, he kind of has like a little beach house and he's making, he does paintings and sculptures and he tells him, he goes, I, I got married. I saw the world. I'm super happy. Even though he lives alone at 78 years old, just making his little art projects. And I think that's kind of what made Jack realize like you can be happy no matter what you're doing. Yeah, and and Jack was like fanboying over him the whole time. He's like, "You made so it to seventy eight, <laughs> and he's just <laughs> like, please, please, like, please stop." Like the amount of patience he had. Yeah, he's like, "I want to give you a hug." He's like, "I'll allow it." <laughs> okay, and he's just like standing there, all limp armed, while this guy's living his dream of getting to getting to hug just, John Lennon. <laughs> it cracked me up. Um, it was just, I say, it was good of like. Like you said, they weren't demonizing fame. They're just saying of, because I think that that's where the Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran playing as himself, because obviously he wasn't miserable and he's super famous and rich. Mm -hmm. And, but it's showing that the way he got there of just essentially selling out every step of the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It got him into a place where he was very unhappy and yeah, you can find success being rich and famous, or you can find success, like you said, being a teacher, which to your note, initially they kind of downplayed being a teacher because when he was going to give up music before the switch of the universes happened, uh, and he's like, I'll just give up my career of music. I'll just go to teaching. She goes, no, if you do that, your career is over. You'll never try it again. And, but yet at the end it shows him being a teacher. And like you said, he's much happier. And it's like, has a wife and kids and 
he finally gets to do what he loves. And I was like, it's just me. It's a long rant of me just saying, I agree of, I just love the fact of the, like I said, it's the, you gain the world, but you lose your soul and you don't want that. Right. Uh, I think John Lennon said it best. Cause he's like, don't, cause I guess Jack was like, well, you're not very successful. And John just goes, I'm very happy. And if I'm happy, then I consider myself successful. Yeah. I loved that. This is a very sweet movie. You know, it's a, a part of it's like a cautionary tale about like, you know, don't sell out. Don't give up who you are to be somebody else. And, you know, one of my favorite things about this movie was like the movies, like the I'm sorry, the music sequences and the way that, you know, he was interacting with the crowd and, you know, the joy that this music brought. Because for a lot of people, like people love the Beatles and the impact they had on music has been around forever. And seeing it in this format was really interesting. And in conclusion, I would recommend this movie to pretty much everyone. It is a fun movie and it's completely harmless. And there's some great acting in there. Himesh Patel's got a great career ahead of him. And everyone in this movie was really excellent and, you know, on top, on par for the course. And I'm excited, you know, to see where they go after this. And this is a fun movie to watch with people. No, I agree. And obviously when you have a, movie that's based on like we were alluded to at the beginning of the biggest music acts of the last hundred years, the soundtrack, obviously, if you're a fan of theirs, or if you just at least like their music, the soundtrack is golden. And so whether you, whether it's like my parents who grew up as Beatle fans, or you're just someone who maybe has just heard of them and you just want to see an interesting movie premise uh, explored, then yeah, this movie is definitely for you. And like I said, I just, it ha- it's very sweet. And I love the fact it took some tropes and just threw them upside down and said, Hey, we're going to go about this in a different way. That is refreshing. Exactly. So, highly recommend it as well. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, if you guys get the chance, it's on HBO max, it's probably on iTunes. I believe it's on prime as well. And, Give it a watch. If you're looking for some lighthearted fun, this is a great movie for you. But either way, thank you guys for joining us today and another episode of the podcast down. We're now 11 episodes in, and this has been so much fun and so exciting. Just a reminder, we are on Apple Podcasts now. So if you guys are looking for it on some other platform besides Anchor and Spotify, we are there and you can find us. And we look forward to you guys listening to more of our stuff. Make sure and share it everywhere with your friends and your family and your dog. I don't, I don't know, but (laughs) um, thank you guys again for joining us today. And we really appreciate it. Yeah. And once again, just uh, give us feedback, good, bad, and ugly. And any suggestions you have, because we want to give, we want to make episodes you want to hear. So any and all feedback is welcome. If you have any suggestions, please send them our way. I'm going to work on getting a, an official Instagram page for us and an email so you can submit requests. So once again, thank you guys. We, I am Austin Cook. And I am Caleb McLemore. And we are the Internet World Order. Thank you guys so much. See you guys. <laughs>